Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. Friends, we are continuing our series called Mic Check, where we are looking at what it means to be followers of Jesus who have a life of prayer and not just using prayer as our last ditch effort. I know that for me in high school, prayer was a thing that happened before meals and calculus tests. That was how I prayed mostly. It was, um, it was a time, you know, if I was driving and I just missed a yellow light, that was a time that prayer happened. But, but prayer was not a part of the flow of my life. And this whole series, wrapped up in the season of Epiphany, is our chance to look at prayer as a new way of connecting with the God of the universe who has worked so hard to ensure that we can hear and see what that God is doing. Today, the thing I hope you hear today is that our life of prayer needs to be connected. So often prayer can feel like a thing that we do by ourselves, a thing that we do in the quiet moments of our life, a thing that needs to be hidden and kept private. But I want to tell you today that prayer is something that needs to be connected, that needs to be shared, that needs to be focused on things not just in our own minds and our own hearts, but in the needs of our neighbors. The thing I'm going to say a lot today, the first thing you can write in your bulletin is this. Our community will never work without you. And you will never be like Jesus without community. Our community will never work without you, and you'll never be like Jesus without community. Our passage today is from Philippians. If you've got a Bible, if you've got a paper Bible, open it up to Philippians. If you don't have a paper Bible, open up your phone and Google Philippians. And don't feel bad when you misspell it. I don't, I've got a whole seminary degree, got no idea how to spell this word, man. It is something like, and then Google takes over. So go to Philippians chapter 3, and we'll begin reading in verse 14. The goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward call in Christ. So all of us who are spiritually mature should think this way. And if anyone thinks differently, God will reveal it to him or her. Only let's live in a way that is consistent with whatever level we have reached. Brothers and sisters, become imitators of me. This is Paul writing, by the way. And watch those who live this way. You can use us as models. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo! When I was a kid, a documentary came out that changed my whole life. It was about Michael Jordan. It was about the time that Michael Jordan was golfing with Larry Bird, and as he reached in for the ball, a cartoon pulled him into the cartoon world, and aliens came and tried to steal all the cartoons 
into another planet. I, I forget the ins and outs of it, but that documentary was called Space Jam. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love Space Jam so much. I wore it out. The VHS from the local rental place was, was worn. I, I swear it had like tracks in it because of me and me alone. I'd watched that for hours. I loved Space Jam. Don't talk to me about the new one with LeBron. It doesn't count. Amen. Hallelujah. It is terrible. But I saw that, especially the opening clip in the documentary where a young Michael is practicing in the rain. And there I saw myself reflected back to me. I could be like Mike if I just practiced. And so friends, I practiced. I put a lot of time underneath the hoop. My dad had a hoop in our front yard and I'd practice and practice and drill because I wasn't very good, but I, I knew Space Jam told me that if I worked really, really hard, I too could be friends with Bugs Bunny and be good at basketball, right? And so I was just going to practice and practice and practice. And, and you know how the story goes. Tryouts came after I practiced a whole lot and nothing changed. I was horrible. I don't know, man. I feel like Space Jam may not have been a documentary because at least this aspect was not real in my life. I was not a great basketball player. But what I found is that Michael Jordan didn't just practice a lot. He surrounded himself with people that had the same goal. If you watch the actual documentary about Michael Jordan, you'll see that Michael was good at basketball, but he was great at working on a team. He surrounded himself with people that had the same goal as he did. And because of that, he had a lot of rings. The first point that I want you to hear is that who you are around will shift who you are. That's what our passage is saying today. Our passage this morning is saying that if you want to see yourself change, if you want to see yourself become more like Jesus, then you must be mindful of those you are around. Look who I'm talking to. I'm looking to people who got up on a cold day and drove to a place to be around people they want to be like. You understand this, right? You're a part of a church community because you know that there is something for you to learn. There's something for you to pattern your life after. There are spiritual examples that I can point to that I've tried to model my life after. Men and women who taught me the faith who I, in many ways, am doing impressions of. I'm doing these impressions because I've seen the fruit in their life, and I, too, want to have that same fruit. But so often, friends, I think we forget that who we are around will change who we are. We find ourselves in relationships where where we're not being cognizant of the behaviors and actions and motivations that we're picking up. I wonder sometimes, friends, if we could remember that our community will never work without you and you'll never be like Jesus without community. Having spiritual examples gives us tangible sign of what being a Christian looks like. And friends, an important reminder, you are an example. Whether you want to or not, you are an example. Whether you want to be or not, you are an example. When we live our lives, when we have the joy and the audacity to say that we are Christians, know that you are being 
looked at. The early church had to decide what a Christian would be like, what, what that would mean in culture, what that would mean in their world. They had to decide what being a Christian would mean in the workplace, in schools, in neighborhoods. And so Paul writes to the church at Philippi and say, hey, look at me. You know, Paul, a, a very humble writer. If you've read any other the Pauline letters, he was very quick to point out the ways that he was amazing. But still, we can see there's something that we want to pattern our life after. Become imitators of me and watch those who live this way. You can use us as models. What models do you have in your life? What models do you have? What people are you trying to emulate? What people are you trying to be like? Who do you want to be when you grow up? You see, we at Shepherds need to decide what a Christian is like. It's pretty common for me when I'm in my neighborhood, in this world, walking around, talking with people, that I hear two things when I share that I'm a pastor. First, what I hear is conversation getting much more boring. If you want to ruin a cocktail party... Tell someone you're a pastor. All of a sudden, instead of talking about, you know, normal things, you're hearing about prayer life. And it's like, guys, come on. But the other thing that I sometimes hear is, man, you don't look like a pastor. To which I always say, thank you so much. What a wonderful compliment. I don't know if it's because I have longer hair or because I have so many tattoos. I don't know what it is. But I think there's an underlying current It says, you don't act like a pastor either. And there's times when I think, well, maybe I should be a little bit more pastoral. You know, last week I I may have said the word fart while preaching, and now I've said it again. And I think, you know, maybe I should tighten up. The bishop could walk in. He lives nearby. But then I think there's been a couple of pastors that have told the world that being a Christian means that you have it all together, or you at least pretend like you do. And then when other people say that they don't have it all together, you let them know that they're not measuring up. But I want shepherds to be different. I want this church to be different. I want shepherds to begin the work of showing the world that a Christian is someone who doesn't have it all together, but knows the one who makes things new. I want shepherds to show the world that Christians are not people that judge first, ask questions later, but seek to know and connect with people in a meaningful and powerful way. There was this missionary that once said that Christians oftentimes act like they bake, but Christians need to instead be beggars showing another beggar where to find bread. We aren't the ones that create this message. We are the ones who point others to the one who does. I want shepherds to show what a Christian is like in 2024. And it might need to be different than it has been, at least in our culture. Our community will never work without you. We cannot do this work without you. And you'll never be like Jesus without community. And I need to push you this morning. That's part of my job as a pastor. Help make the bulletin, help make the coffee, and to push you. (laughs) So here I am, limbering up. To point people to Jesus, to show people what a Christian is, to remind people what God's kingdom can look like, to point people to Jesus, 
We must be bringers, which is not a real word, but I made it up and you can't stop me. Okay? (laughs) To find what a bringer is, I want you to go to Mark chapter 2. So if you've got a Bible, open it up to Mark chapter 2. If you've got a phone, Google Mark chapter 2. If you misspell the word Mark, we've got reading coaches all throughout our church that can help you, okay? Mark chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. And I think I have it in the slides as well, Tyler. Some people arrived and four of them were bringing to him a man who was paralyzed. And him here is Jesus. They couldn't carry him through the crowd. So they tore off part of the roof above where Jesus was. When they had made an opening, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Every time I read that passage, I think of the people that carried my lazy butt into the presence of Jesus. I think about the people who who carried me. And when they saw that the room was crowded, they tore a hole in the roof. Y'all, if someone tears a hole in your roof, you are not going to be happy, right? In fact, they're going to be wondering, they they might follow you to Lowe's so you can buy the new plywood. Amen? Like, I, I, yeah, I won't tell the story of when that happened to me. But anyways, but these people, they loved their friends so much, they caused structural damage, right? They loved their friends so much, they got on someone's bad side. They loved their friends so much that they carried him. Nothing got in their way. They saw a need. They saw a solution. They brought a friend to Jesus. And it was the faith of the friends that changed the man. I don't know if you guys understand this, that it wasn't just the faith of the paralytic man who believed that Jesus could heal him, but it was the faith of the friends that changed this man's life. How many friends do you have today that need you to have faith in them to have faith in christ so much that you will bring them along all right here's my push y'all we are so friendly big smiles i've served churches that i was like y'all jesus rose from the dead you can smile and it's tough to teach someone to smile it is it is hard but i've never had to teach you to smile the thing i need to push you on we need to become people who bring, Amen. not people who invite. And the difference is here. They couldn't carry him through the crowd. Well, I invited them, but they didn't want to come. They couldn't carry him through the crowd. Oh, I, you know, I, I invite people to come all the time, but you know, I haven't seen anyone come along yet. So they tore off part of the roof. Hey, when am I picking you up? Hey, uh, uh, you couldn't come on Sunday. Here's, here's the podcast. Hey, we're having a spring fest and I think you should come. What time am I picking you up? Nothing stopped the friends. They got tired of talking and decided to start doing. Friends, our community will never work without you. And you'll never be like Jesus without community. Now, at the beginning, I promised you a sermon about prayer. And now I've got you talking about evangelism. I understand that there may have been a switch here. I'm also calling Space Jam a documentary. I get it. It's it's a little weird, okay? What does this all have to do with prayer? Well, we pray for so many things, often forgetting 
that we are God's hands and feet. We pray for so many things, often forgetting that we are God's hands and feet. I don't know if you've got a person that keeps getting wrapped up in your prayers. If you've got a part of your neighborhood that keeps getting wrapped up in your prayers. If you've got something in your life that keeps making appearances in your prayers. But friends, I wonder if that's the Holy Spirit telling you that there is work to do. That there is something for you to do. St. Teresa of Avila said this, and we've got an image with a prayer on it here. Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ looks compassion into the world. Yours are the feet with which Christ walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which Christ blesses the world. When we recite the Apostles' Creed, we say that Jesus has ascended into heaven and is sitteth. Love saying sitteth. Sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And then we also say that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within the unified Church, here we are carrying the Holy Spirit. Friends, we are the hands and feet of Christ. When we look around and see a broken world and wonder why God has not intervened, let us look to our hands and see the hands of Christ. When we see people hurting and lonely and wondering why God has not walked towards them and shown them God's love, may we look at our own feet. And wonder why those feet have not walked to that loneliness. When we see the world in need of compassion and grace and forgiveness, may we look in the mirror and see the eyes through which God is showing compassion. We are the hands and feet of Christ. It is up to us, friends. If you've been praying for a friend, ask them what time to pick them up. If you've been praying for your city, ask a stranger when they'll be here to be a part of this community. When you're praying for the world, share what we are doing here on these 10 acres. When you're praying for yourself, it's time to start a community. It's time for you to create that community. And so here's my push once more. This church needs to grow in our willingness to bring Not just invite, but to bring. To have folks come alongside. The discomfort there is the fear of being awkward. I grew up fundamentalist. And mission trips for us was loading up in a van, going to a neighborhood, knocking on doors and saying, Hi, I'm a teenager. Want to change your religion? (laughs) Boy, that was fun. And so it is really messed up the word of evangelism. It is really messed up that idea that we can somehow presume that we've got an answer for people. But the way that I've begun to understand inviting people to church is this. And you, you all did this to me. And some of you have heard this before. I love biscuits. They're the best. They are a sign that God loves us and wants us to be happy. But, you know, you can have a bad biscuit. There are plenty of places that have bad biscuits, and I won't name them, but we all know what they are, right? But the best biscuits in Lakeland come from good time. They're right behind Concord Coffee. Fantastic. I think they cook them in lard. That's how you know they're good, right? So if you want a good biscuit, go to Good Time. 
why don't we view inviting people to church like we do telling people the good news about biscuits? This church is a place that will love you regardless of where you are because we know where we are, and that's in need of God's grace. This is a church that will welcome your family however it looks because we know that God has called us to be family for those who need it. Why then do we ever hesitate for one moment to share the good news of God's biscuits here at Shepherds? May you be changed and transformed by that. May your prayers be turned into action. May you look at your hands and see the hands of Christ. May you look at your feet. May you look at your eyes and see Christ's love in this world. Let nothing stop you. Rip open the roof. Lower your friend down. And may the faith of your love change the world around you. Let's pray together. All right, friends. I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life. Helped you know that you're loved by God and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.